This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, February 19th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. At the International Students for Liberty Conference this weekend, I sat down with former presidential candidate, Texas Congressman and physician Ron Paul about his opinions on the student movement for liberty, the president's request for a new war from Congress, and the growing effort to audit the policies of the Federal Reserve. We're recording here at the International Students for Liberty Conference in 2015, and I think it's fair to say you deserve some amount of credit for uh, the giving the, I guess, momentum for a great deal of the student liberty movement. So how do you evaluate the state of libertarian ideas and the liberty movement now uh, decades since you uh, began talking about this in Congress? Well, I come down pretty optimistic about what's happening because I think back when I first started uh, in 1974, and even when I first was elected and voted, nobody there had the vaguest idea of what I was doing. They just thought it was was strange and uh, different, and how come you're voting with those bad liberals sometime, and these conservatives another time, and what's your position on war? So mostly just a big question mark. It took a long time. Yet I think it was today I heard... um, some dis- political discussion, fluffy stuff, and they said, well, I wonder what the libertarian wing of the Republican Party will do now. So, you, you know, it's, it's gained some recognition. Um, so the ideas are out there, and I see a tremendous opportunity. I think there's great strides we've already made, but I see all around me the collapse <laughs> of a system that they've worked with for over 100 years. Of course, authoritarianism isn't around a lot longer than 100 years, but the more recent authoritarianism of the 20th century when it came to the type of foreign policy of intervention and Keynesian economics and central banking, and they're all on the verge of disintegration. So I'm I'm pretty optimistic, but the job, of course, is uh, how are you going to fill the void? And I think uh, the freedom ideas, the libertarian ideas uh, have the answers. Some people at this libertarian conference have been uh, pretty critical of some of your rhetoric regarding Russia and Crimea. Do you have anything to uh, say to those <laughs> I'd folks? I'd have to know what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, well, one young lady whose name I, I won't try to pronounce, she's an interna- international board member here at SFL, she said that uh, if you look broadly when it comes to Ukraine and Eastern Europe, uh, Ron Paul's rhetoric is pretty insulting to me as an Eastern European. Why do you think that they disagree so sharply? Well, I'd have to ask them. <laughs> they have to tell me what, what's their beef, because I take uh, a position of non-intervention. So I don't take a position of pro one side or the other. I don't do it in the Middle East. I don't take, I'm, I'm not for one group and against the other one. I, I just think we should be neutral in these affairs. And I think there's a civil war going on in Ukraine. And if she wants me to support those very questionable people who overthrew an elected government in Western Ukraine, I mean, and, and, and that's her, her uh, right to take that position, but she has to defend why she would defend that people and say, well, anybody who takes a neutral position is all of a sudden pro-Putin. You know, I don't think I'd vote for Putin if he was voting and running for office here, and they're far from, they're far from perfect, but that isn't even the point. The point is, is why are we involved, and why did we orchestrate the overthrow of an elected government, and why did we send weapons over there? Why do we have special forces there? Why do we have the CIA there, and why do we aggravate the situation? 
situation, we're talking about sending more weapons. So I think anybody that would challenge me on this has a lot of explaining to do themselves. All right. You're delivering the keynote address tonight at the Students for Liberty conference. Will you have any specific words regarding Russia, Crimea, Crimea and Eastern gonna, Europe? I think it's going to be pretty hard to avoid it, but I don't have a written script, but I usually touch on foreign policy. and. Uh, I don't know to the extent that my mind will go into this, but it's pretty hard to ignore the uh, craziness of our policy of this obsession of being involved. Whether and, and I usually go into it in depth about, well, if you want us to be involved in Ukraine, why don't you look at what's happened since 1990, you know, as, when, once we started uh, getting involved in Iraq. That war's been going on for 25 years. Total failure. Lives lost. Theirs and ours. And all the money. And then they say, yeah, well, we got to send more troops in there. And right now, our troops are vulnerable back in Iraq. Afghan, no, no mission accomplished. Afghanistan in chaos, Libya's in chaos, things aren't a whole lot better in Egypt and Yemen. Oh, that was supposed to be a success. Uh, cruise, cruise missiles or the drone missiles would take care of that and here we're uh, escaping from our embassies and people want to defend that foreign policy. Well, they, they have a tough time uh, defending what has gone on and, and that follows through to us getting involved in a civil war uh, in Ukraine and when we see, uh, you know, NATO just bugging the living daylights out of Russia for no good reason. I mean, what if, what if Russia was in Mexico doing to us what NATO and the Europeans are doing with our money and our support uh, to the Russians? But no, not too many people want to look at that. They have a preconceived idea of what they want. But where, where was this a year or so ago? It didn't even exist, and all of a sudden, boom, here we have this major crisis, and we have concrete evidence that our ambassador, as well as our State Department, communicated and said, this is whom we want to put in in place and uh, uh, when we get rid of this government, and they, and they did get rid of the government, and we've had problems ever since. Gene Healy at the Cato Institute uh, says, say what you will about George W. Bush, the two wars that he took the United States into, he at least got something, something like approval from Congress. Uh, President Obama, on the other hand, has dropped bombs on many more countries than uh, President Bush. So how do you evaluate the, the new request that the president well, is making for additional war powers. I, I think when you go to war, you need more than token approval. I mean, George Bush Sr. said, I don't need it, I'll take it, but uh, I get my approval from the United Nations, and that's what George W. Bush says. So, yeah, they get this token approval, but if, if it's acceptable, then uh, the serious problem is with Congress. <laughs> you know, why would they do it? Why wouldn't they do it? They always roll over, even though the people speak out every time there's a threat of war. You know, whether it was Syria or Iraq or any place, the people don't want it. And by golly, the war propagandists get busy. The government, the officials, the media, they're all together. They're very uniform. And guess what? There's money behind it. It's a military-industrial complex, and there's big bucks to be made. So uh, whether it was uh, getting token support, but I think Obama's— uh, 
getting token support right now. Uh, the, the, the beef is uh, by the warmongers and the neocons is he's not asking for enough. We want more bombs. We want troops on the ground. We want to kill more people. So he's, uh, y- you know, uh, just because he isn't doing enough, I think he's doing way too much. He shouldn't even go to the Congress and ask for power and authority to go and spread mayhem around the world. In this recent request, he wants to go any place in the world anytime he wants without even asking Congress anymore. It's expanding those powers that all the presidents have used for a good many years, which I've been trying to stop, which all good libertarians ought to uh, be in support of. It wasn't very long ago that you were essentially the only person talking about auditing the Federal Reserve. And now that idea has probably more momentum than it's ever had before, so much so that Jason Furman, the chairman of the president's uh, Council of Economic Advisors, calls the idea dangerous. What do you say? Well, yeah, it's dangerous for them <laughs> to be exposed. We want to expose them, and they are in great danger. Uh, Paul Krugman wrote another article today about the evils and the monsters of uh, people wanting this transparency of the Fed and uh, that it's continuing, and monetary policy ought to be the biggest issue in the next coming election. I hope so, too, because uh, the people generally have always been in favor of sound money and throughout our history. This debate's been going on, you know, whether it was uh, Jefferson and uh, Hamilton. It, hard money all, and sound money always comes out. And, and people now are very understanding of, of the uh, monstrous power that the Federal Reserve has. And 80 percent of the people, our campaign for liberty has been working on this since I was in office and before and any other campaigns. And if anything, the American people are wide awake about the Federal Reserve uh, and how they take care of their special friends. But that's all intertwined with, uh, you know, militarism and spending and deficits and uh, how how they're able to monetize debt for both conservatives and liberals because they all want the spending and they don't sweat it. The Fed will print the money for us. How does this effort at auditing the Fed differ in ways from the proposals that you've put forward? Is it essentially identical or what are some I think they are. I haven't gone on in every single word, uh, but they've tried in the House to water it down. They have other versions of it. But no, I think uh, I think Amash's bill is like what I had, and I think Rand's bill, <laughs> I better double check. <laughs> no, I think that bill is going to be pretty close. But that doesn't mean that, I mean, they, they were never so aggressive so soon on this. They were very aggressive with me and made fun and all that. But they're very aggressive now against Rand's bill in the Senate because they know they're 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 on the defensive. And uh, I think it's great. But the powers to be in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party and the administration, uh, military, industrial complex, the banking system, they, they don't want this because this is where their, their bailouts come from. Uh, so they, um, they are very adamant, you know, to not allow this to happen. What will happen if it gets to the floor of the Senate, 
I bet there's a more generous open rule all of a sudden, and they'll try to, and if it passes through the Senate, my guess would be it probably will be watered down unless we can really energize our campaign for liberty to wake up even more people, saying enough is enough. Uh, we better let them know that they can't water it down. because. It, but even a watered-down version, we, then we have to worry about the president vetoing it because the establishment, the people who run the show, run the banks, and, and uh, get the bailouts. Uh, and that's why I think it's really great that they're getting pretty noisy right now. Fisher, who's getting ready to leave, I mean, he's just been pounding away and pounding away about the idiocy of anybody who would think Congress should run monetary policy. Well, we're not even asking for Congress running monetary All we want is an audit. We want to know what they're doing. And we want to expose them. But they always distort. And it's always, uh, you know, uh, we can't have all this openness. Transparency to them is uh, uh, is the same as secrecy. They want secrecy, and we want transparency. And, and just to clarify your position, which has been uh, fairly consistent on this for a long time, uh, when you spoke with Ben Bernanke on the subject of auditing the Fed, he said you can audit our books any time. But, of course, your response to that is— You can audit his books all the time? The books, not the policy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and, and this was Fisher's argument, too. Well, we get an audit every year. It's a thorough argument. That's sort of like how much they pay for the electricity and what are their salaries. It's financial, but it has nothing to do with all the intrigue that goes in. The, the thing over the years, and I, matter of fact, I started in Congress doing this with uh, Henry Gonzalez from Texas, who was a populist liberal, you know, Texan. And uh, it was always the uh, overseas communications that they didn't want to have. I just wished uh, Snowden could get a hold of some of those communications, but so far I haven't seen any of those. We need real exposure of what continuously goes on. And right now there's big things happening in Europe. There's problems with the EU, there's problems with Greece. But our money is over there in a lot of banks. And believe me, there's a lot of negotiations going on there, and we have a right to know. Ed Snowden is also speaking at this conference. What is your uh, sense of what he did? Well, I've been pretty mild, like he's a hero, and that he's a patriot, and he's uh, done us a great service because uh, it's getting the truth out that is the most important thing. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I have a statement, truth is treason in an empire of lies. When they lie to us, whether it's on war or finances or anything else, and you say something, it becomes treasonous. He's a perfect example of him. They've turned him into some horrible person who's treasonous, but the American people like him, more so now than they did a few months ago. So he's done a heroic thing. He's given up a lot to tell us the truth about what's going on. And nobody has suffered any consequences. The, our government hasn't come down. Nobody's been killed. But think of how many people get killed because of the secrecy of where we send weapons and the people we prop up. Uh, so, no, I think he's a heroic person. Ron Paul is a three-time presidential candidate and former congressman from Texas. You can read more on the Federal Reserve and the power to make war at our website, cato.org.